We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in. Trevor Lane here for LakersNation.com, your home for everything Lakers. This is the LakersNation.com live podcast slash postgame show. The Lakers do fall to the Memphis Grizzlies. Oh, man. Opportunity missed here for the Lakers. Final score, 121 to 109. Lakers, well, the main stat we need to look at, 26. What am I talking about? Turnovers. Very difficult to win a basketball game when you turn a ball over 26 times. Difficult even further when you turn the ball over 26 times and your opponent only turns it over six times. Yeah. All but impossible to win a game with those stats ultimately comes back to bite the Lakers. And this was, this was a winnable game and people will look at this and they'll see John Morant's stat line. They'll see, you know, the, the Morant had a triple double 39 points, 10 boards, 10 assists. He went nuts for 28 points in the third quarter and you'll, roll your eyes and say, no, the Lakers never had a shot in this thing. No, they did. They, they very much did. Uh, but turnovers were their undoing in this game. You see, Memphis was shooting terribly. In fact, they finished the game shooting just 19% from three. Memphis was shooting terribly, particularly in the first half, and the Lakers were right there. The Lakers were right there. Um, they had an opportunity to build a cushion, and unfortunately, all they did was stay close. They had a, what, three-point lead at halftime, and that was it. They needed a much bigger lead with the way Memphis was shooting, but turnovers were preventing them from building that lead. The way Memphis was shooting the ball, if the Lakers had just, you know, had an average number of turnovers, they averaged about 13 turnovers per game. So they doubled the number of turnovers they would have in a normal game. Had they done that, they could have built a much bigger lead. So when Jaw did start going nuclear in the in the third quarter, you would have had a cushion. Now, I'm not saying they definitely would have won the game. Who knows? It's possible the Grizzlies would have just kept the Jets on the entire third and fourth quarter and still would have won it in the end. This is a good team. But an opportunity was here to win a game. And the Lakers, we kind of looked at this game on the schedule and said, well, you know, it's, a, it's the first night of a back-to-back. The second game against OKC is much more important. Is this kind of a scheduled loss? No D'Angelo Russell, no LeBron James, of course. We'll talk about that quite a bit tonight as well. But given where the Lakers are at in the standings, it hurts a little bit to see an opportunity slip through their fingers, particularly with so much of it. 
was self-inflicted. Again, turnovers are the culprit here tonight. Tough to win a game, 26-6 to in turnovers. The Memphis Grizzlies took 112 shots. The Lakers took 86. 112 to 86. Now, the Lakers took, what, six more free throws? That does not come anywhere close to making up that big of a gap. Hard to win a game like that. And again, some of this is credit to the Memphis defense. Memphis did a good job forcing the Lakers into some tough positions. A lot of it, though, is the Lakers just making some silly mistakes that they frankly shouldn't have. And thus, you can't help but feel like maybe they fumbled away, not a definite win, but an opportunity to get a win in Memphis tonight, unfortunately. Now, Anthony Davis, pretty good, right? 28 points, 19 rebounds, five blocks. All these talks about, you know, AD needs to step up. AD needs to be that MVP caliber player. Look, he got dunked on by Jaron Jackson Jr. On a tip dunk attempt, AD didn't see Triple J coming in, had his back to him, and Jaron Jackson Jr. did what he does and came flying in and dunked the ball. It was ferocious. And people are going to look at that, and they're going to point fingers. They're going to laugh at AD. And if you are just watching the highlights and you don't watch the game, yeah, you'll look at that and you'll say, well, AD, see, he can't do it. He's not that good. He was great in this game doing some incredible things defensively. He shot nine for 19. Now, you would like him to shoot a bit better than that, but if you saw what Memphis was doing, especially in the second half, they were selling out, sending everybody at Anthony Davis, three players around him at all times, especially if he was rolling to the basket, doing what they could to stop him from getting going. Still puts up 28 and 19, 36 minutes. That AD was fantastic in this one. Jared Vanderbilt, the Vandalorian, four points, one block, one steal, eight boards, one for six, not exactly the Mavs performance that we saw out of Vanderbilt, but he was still impactful out there. Had a few mistakes himself. Again, one for six shooting. I struggled to finish at the rim in this one. Troy Brown, 0 for four shooting. As a team, they shot 38% from deep. That's fine. Troy Brown, I thought, did not have a strong game in his first opportunity to start with LeBron James out. Malik Beasley, two of four from deep, 12 points. Sort of a quiet game. Dennis Schroeder, four for 11. Six turnovers for Schroeder. Tennessee had a long conversation with Anthony Davis about a very poor post-entry pass late in the game that was just an easy turnover for the Memphis Grizzlies. We'll see what Schroeder does from here, but he was not happy. He got Darvin Ham pulled him after that sloppy turnover, and he well should have. Meanwhile, Lonnie Walker comes roaring back, 21 points, four boards, Five threes. We said that there was going to be a domino effect, that regardless of who moved into the starting lineup in place of LeBron, LeBron's minutes were going to bleed through into some other players, right? Because LeBron was playing 35 minutes a night, even if Troy Brown goes from, what, 18 minutes up to 30 or something, and he went to 26 in this game, or it's Rui or whoever it is, there's going to be more minutes left over. Other guys are going to see a bump. Lonnie Walker gets 23 minutes in this one, made the most of them, five threes. Austin Reeves, four of seven from deep, 17 points, helping the Lakers off the bench. Rui played 20 minutes and had nine points and five boards. Wenyan Gabriel in the rotation. I'm sure we'll talk about that tonight as well. Uh, Wenyan in the the rotation instead of Mo Bamba, eight boards, six points, three of three shooting in 12 minutes. All right, let me get into some of the questions coming in in the chat here. I know people have a lot to say about this game. As you can see, by the way, solo show tonight. Um, if you haven't done so already, make sure you're subscribing to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. Turn on notifications. And of course, go follow the Lakers Nation podcast. You can do both of these things. Subscribe on YouTube. Follow the Lakers Nation podcast over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. That way you can take us with you wherever you go. We do at least five shows a week. 
for you guys Monday through Friday. And then if there's like a Friday game or something special going on, you'll get Saturday show. Sometimes we do a Sunday show if there's a Sunday game or a Saturday game. But uh, Ron kicks the things off saying, Ham loses us another game. Not trapping Jaw in the third was idiotic. Single-handedly won the game with no adjust- adjustment for Darvin Ham. Yeah, so let's talk about that. That's a good place to start. Um, I don't know if you were stopping John Morant tonight. You saw what he did in that third quarter. He was tremendous. I don't know if you were going to stop him. I also think that Darvin was slow to react once Jaw started going nuclear and slow to make the adjustments that were needed in order to rein him back in, reel him back in. And, and look, Jaw again, 28 points in the third. He was unstoppable. He was scoring every time down. The Lakers just could not get any stops. We've seen this from the Lakers before this season where they seem like they get in the mindset of we're going to get it back on the other end. We're going to score. They try to score with teams rather than really focus on getting stops. And you can't do that with this team. You just can't. It's nine times out of 10. It's a recipe for disaster for this Lakers team when they fall into this trap of we're going to trade buckets with this other team because the Lakers offense tends to falter before the opponent's offense. And then it's all, then you're in big trouble. Then you're down, you know, next thing you know, you blank and you're down nine and then you're, you're trying to claw your way back. And the Lakers did get the score back down to four at one point in the fourth quarter, but the Grizzlies just went on another run right after that. Um, as far as Darvin Ham losing them this game, yeah, he didn't react well to what happened with Jaw, to John Morant going crazy, just living in the paint. Nobody could get anywhere close to stopping him. And I think the problem was this, Darvin and uh, my guy, Corey Hansford and I were talking about this over on playback, by the way, that's a lot of fun. If you haven't joined us for a game, we stream every single game. We hang out, we watch the game together uh, as, as a fan community, we watch the game together over on playback. It's playback.tv slash Lakers nation. If you haven't joined us for a game yet, uh, come check it out tomorrow. Be your next opportunity when the Lakers take on OKC. But we were talking about this. Darvin Ham, his response to Ja going crazy seemed to be, oh, Dennis isn't able to stay in front of him. Okay, Troy Brown, your turn. You go try. Okay, he that's not working. Okay, let's try the next guy. Then the next guy was just picking a different player to go try to stay in front of John Morant. When I think, as Ron is mentioning here, it needed to be a scheme change. Now, maybe there was fear that, because typically what you would see here is you double the ball, right? Double him as soon as he crosses half court. Sure, you can be afraid he's going to split doubles and get into the paint anyway and still wreak havoc. May happen. But if you can find a way to force the ball out of his hands, most of the time what you're going to have to do is blitz him. Send two defenders at him. And what you're doing in that situation, we see this all the time across the NBA, you are accepting that at least for a period of time, whether however long it takes to recover, you are going to be playing four on three at a disadvantage because you commit two defenders to jaw. He makes the pass. The ball is out of his hands. Then it's a four on three situation for the Memphis Grizzlies, but the ball isn't in the hands of John Morant. And when jaw is cooking like that, you're going to take that. You're going to take that. Frank Vogel's Lakers teams did a tremendous job doing this, getting the ball out of the hands of a primary score, forcing somebody else to make the right read. And sometimes that results in the ball being in the hands of a player who's not used to being in a position where they're, they've got a four on three advantage and they have to be the decision maker, right? Um, we've saw this the other day. The, the Clippers had a game with, with uh, Plumlee, who was in that situation and he turned the ball over twice. I believe it was against... Uh, I want to say it was against Memphis, but in any event, this happens a lot in the NBA 
And Darvin didn't go to it. He didn't double the ball to force it out of Jaw's hands. Again, maybe Jaw would have split the double. Maybe he would have found ways to get to the basket anyway. But he was torching. It doesn't matter if you pick the next guy in line. John Morant was getting to the basket every single time. He was getting whistles like crazy, too. He was being incredibly aggressive. you got to react. When the situation is, is what it is, you don't have time to mess around with, oh, well, okay, hang on. Before we go to this extreme of we're going to accept being a man down, let me try one more player and see if this guy can do something. By that point, you've already lost. Right, You have to respond quicker to runs being made by your opponents. You have to adjust on the fly, and they did need to do a little bit more to get the ball out of Jaws' hands. And then make, look, if Luke Kennard gets hot from three and there's a swing, swing, swing by Memphis and they hit a three, look, maybe that's just what you got to deal with on the night. But you got to do something else. You got to try something else because otherwise you're just allowing everything to continue. And some people were, people were pointing out on playback, that Darvin Ham only called one timeout in the third quarter. This is the exact same thing that Mavs fans were losing their minds about just a couple of nights ago because the Lakers were going on a huge run against the Mavs and Jason Kidd calls one timeout and just lets the Lakers offense continue to roll and roll and roll. Ball game, right? That's what happened. And we celebrated. Tonight, the Lakers were on the other end of that. Ham didn't take the timeouts necessary in order to do anything. Now, again, you turn the ball over 26 times, you're probably going to lose the game, regardless of what you do defensively. You can't do that. You can't have a 26 to 6 turnover discrepancy and expect to win the game. But nonetheless, it's concerning that, that Darvin didn't make the adjustment faster there, that he didn't start to double jaw and, and respond to what was happening. We just didn't see it. Instead, it was, okay, next next guy up. You try. Well, okay, maybe, maybe you give it a shot. Maybe this guy will work. Didn't like that. Didn't like that. Kyle, Memphis has great barbecue, as we just learned. Anyway, sub-ideal, but tomorrow is really more important and likely easier. I still love these guys. Just got to hold it steady and keep going forward. Kyle, Kyle always comes in with so much optimism. Um, always optimistic, regardless of what's going on. Uh, it's enjoyable for sure on a night when I'm sure a lot of Lakers fans are upset and frustrated and, and all of that. And for good reason, but he's also right that look, tomorrow is the important game. Um, not to say tonight's wasn't important. Obviously you need to stack up as many wins as you can, but if the Memphis Grizzlies hadn't shot so poorly in that first half and you hadn't had that feeling like this game was there for the taking, if Memphis had come out firing on all cylinders, you could just throw your hands up and say, well, you know what? Let's go get tomorrow's game. This one was kind of a scheduled loss. Um, unfortunately, that's not what happened here. And so you have to feel a little bit disappointed that the Lakers didn't take advantage of the opp opportunity that was sitting in front of them. Um, now, yeah, you got to get it done next game. Uh, tomorrow against OKC, you've got to get it done. You've got to find a way to get that win. And most likely, unfortunately, it's going to be without D'Angelo Russell. Uh, D'Lo, my hope and this was the hope for all of Lakers Nation, was that D'Angelo Russell was being sat for this game against Memphis with the idea that he would play tomorrow against OKC. And look, he's listed as doubtful. That status can change. But multiple reports have said the Lakers are more uh, eyeing Friday. They brought him on the road trip, I believe, with the hopes of playing him on this road trip. But now, sounding more like they're not going to have him. That's three games lost simply by stepping back on Dante DiVincenzo's foot.
three full games. Plus, he only played nine minutes in that game against the Warriors. So we haven't seen D'Lo in a bit here for the Lakers. Bad timing, especially given what's going on with LeBron James. By the way, I should mention that as well. LeBron, um, according to Jared Greenberg uh, during the game, LeBron is actually going to stay in Memphis. The Lakers are going to travel on to OKC for tomorrow's game. LeBron's going to stay in Memphis, and he's going to visit a specialist. Going to see several specialists as they try to figure out exactly what's going on with his foot. So there could be more news coming out in the next 24 hours or so about LeBron's foot, which could give us a better idea of the exact timetable. Right now, we're operating under the idea that he's probably out somewhere around three weeks, maybe, which doesn't sound that bad, but he's going to be reassessed in two weeks, and then we'll know more. Um, The question for the Lakers is, can you stay afloat in the meantime? Can you stay afloat without LeBron? Tyler says, must win tomorrow. We want any shot at making the playoffs. Losing tomorrow, uh, season's probably done. You know, tomorrow, because it's against OKC, because OKC is a team that you are, that, that's right there with you in the standings, it is indeed a must win. Uh, it's a good thing that the Lakers have so many games coming up against the teams that are just around them in the standings. It would be a bad thing if the Lakers were like the sixth seed and other teams are pursuing them. But because the Lakers are the team that's pursuing, you want to have these opportunities on your schedule. You have to take advantage of them. You have to find a way to give the Thunder a loss. Shea Gilgis-Alexander, not in action tonight. Currently, the Kings are up on the Thunder. It's not over, though. But Shea Gilgis-Alexander, not in uniform tonight. He is dealing with an injury. He is in health and safety protocol. But we've also seen all season long where anytime a player has an opportunity to come back and play against the Lakers, they seem to do it. It just seems to be a thing that happens. So... We'll see, but tomorrow is a big, big game, and it is indeed a must-win. Mamba mentality. Ham, time to hand out homework assignments. How to guard the pick-and-roll floater. We were doing great in the first half. AD contested. Sure, Jaw would take some tough ones, but they sagged in the second. Easy bucket and turnovers. Well, part of it, too, and Ham noted this after the game from the bit of the post game that I saw, um, the Lakers were kind of dying on screens in the second and jaw was really getting ahead of steam and the Lakers weren't able to get under and around those screens quick enough to bump jaw off course and not give him that straight line drive into the, into the basket. And so that obviously impact, there's a domino effect here where that's going to impact Anthony Davis and how, and his ability to come over and contest that shot or anybody else who's coming over um, to contest as well. So that's part of it. Also, it's not just the Lakers defense was sagging off too much. It's, Job was getting into the paint a beat or two sooner than he was in the first half because they weren't doing as, as good of a job dealing with the screens that were happening up top. So not ideal. Again, not, not good when you give up 28 points to one player in a quarter. Michael, all the pain will be healed with a win tomorrow. Good bounce back spot. Hope so. Hope so. Jake, turnovers were bad, but Ham was worse. Didn't double jaw, refused to play two bigs, and doesn't run a single play for AD in the post. Our new roster can't overcome incompetent coaching. I wouldn't say he didn't run a single play for AD in the post. He did run plays for AD in the post. Part of it is it's not, it's not 2003 anymore. 2000, right? Where all you had to do to get the ball in the post was point guard dribbles up, passes to the wing, wing entry pass into the post. And we, we lived that life. We saw it with Shaq, right? Over and over and over and rinse and repeat. But rules were different then. Defenses were different then. A entry pass into the post is much more difficult now. That said, I still think you're right, Jake, that, you know, 
Darvin Ham probably should have had some more things schemed up to get AD going, to get him some more opportunity. Again, he had 28 points in this game. So he was, he was tremendous. But you need, when things are snowballing against you, how much do you want to rely on, okay, Lonnie's going to hit a three for you. And again, Lonnie was great tonight. How much do you want to rely on other guys are going to make their, their, their plays instead of here, we're going to give the ball to AD and he's better than your guy defending him. And so he's going to score and we're going to stop this run that way. The Lakers don't seem to have a good way to get into that. And I think that's what Jake is, is referring to. And some of that can be, you don't have D'Lo, you don't have LeBron. Those are two of your guys who could do a good job getting him the ball there. But also part of that is just the dynamic of having of a big versus a guard who's going to bring the ball up the floor and they can have so many different ways they can read and react to what's going on. So I understand the frustration there. I don't know about playing two bigs in terms of, are you playing Mo Bamba and AD in this matchup? If Steven Adams was in the game, maybe, but he wasn't. So I I understand why it was Wenyan in the rotation. Wicked Bronco. So tired of seeing him refuse to double guys who are going insane. He just watched Jaw drop 30. Didn't even try Vando on him until late. Reeves, it's better than Troy starting. Please give me more Reeves. And Lonnie, hashtag beat OKC. You know, Troy Brown has been fairly steady for the Lakers for much of the season. He gives you more three-point shooting. Um, it's not to say Reeves and Lonnie can't shoot the three. They definitely can. But I'm saying Troy Brown gives you more three-point shooting than, say, the guy who would have been my pick, which would be Rui. Troy is certainly more of a three-point threat there. He's also 6'6", gives him a little bit of a size advantage over both Lonnie and Austin Reeves. That said, this was not a great performance for Troy Brown. Um, He can help you a bit on the glass, but if you were preferring Rui, if you were preferring Austin Reeves, if you prefer Lonnie Walker you can make an argument for any of those three being in the starting five right now over Troy Brown. Hopefully he bounces back tomorrow, but this has been Darwin's preferred option. When LeBron has gone out over the last month or so, it's been to turn to Troy Brown and tonight. And Troy did not have a good game. Now Troy's going to have to bounce back because if he saw what Lonnie did tonight, if he saw what Austin's been doing, if you're Troy Brown, you got to be looking over your shoulder thinking, "Uh Oh, I need to step it up. So we'll see what he does against uh, okay, see you tomorrow. Triple threat said Mo Bamba, rim protection. Any day, Darvin, you want to use the kid who can block Jaws layups. Mo also picks up fouls very, very quickly. And so that's going to be a concern. I understand why in this matchup he went to Wenyan. And Wenyan did a pretty decent job contesting Jaws. Well, there was one play where Wenyan went up and Jaws just hit it. He hurt himself doing it, but hit it just insane shot. Uh, Wenyan offers you that a bit more lateral quickness, more versatility on the defensive end of the floor. So I understood that decision. You can say, well, you should have given Mo a try to have a bit more rim protection there, and that's fair. But I understand why the game plan was to to roll with Wenyan in this one. Uh, Roan said, frustrated with the lineups. We were shorthanded, but Vando sat way too much. We had a chance to actually win this game. Wish Ham was more urgent. And they did have a chance to win this game. They were right there. They had opportunities to win it, and uh, the turnovers just killed them. Again, they, the Lakers, based on the way Memphis was shooting in the first half, the Lakers should have had double-digit easy, maybe 15-point lead at halftime. And then that changes things quite a bit. That changes things considerably when Jaw starts going nuclear 
if you at least are playing with the lead and then you've got a cushion. Again, maybe Memphis still wins, but this game would play out very differently had you just not turned the ball over 26 times. That, that was the game right there. Hard to win a game, period, if you turn the ball over 26 times to six for your opponent. You can't do it. Can't do it. Nico, basically a scheduled loss with both D'Lo and LeBron out. Well, they're both probably going to be out tomorrow. Let's bounce back tomorrow. Plus, LA has a five-game homestand, so they need to capitalize more on that. Yeah, they do. Look, this is one game. The Lakers, as a team, they've what they won three in a row before this. They were what four and one. Now they're four and two since getting the new guys in. They've been good, and again, they had opportunities to win this game. They did. They just turned the ball over a ton, and then the defense on Jaw was was terrible. So you had opportunities to win this. They came back and cut it to within four in the fourth quarter. I still think this new look team is very interesting and, and can do some things, but you got to win tomorrow. Got to win tomorrow. You have to. Absolutely have to. Um, I'm taking a peek here. Sacramento beats OKC. They did hold on. That helps the Lakers. That helps ease the pain here. Um, I've been putting it out every day on Twitter, a post at Trevor underscore Lane, breaking down what you should be hoping for if you're a Lakers fan in terms of the, the scoreboard. And right now, the Pacers are up eight on the Mavs. You would hope the Mavs would lose this game. Um, but again, eight heading into the fourth quarter. That's nothing there. The Jazz are up three on the Spurs. Don't expect the Spurs to find a way to win a game. They've lost 16 straight. Unfortunately, Utah has now two games here against the Spurs. Blazers and Warriors are battling. Blazers up 32 to 20. I think if you're a Lakers fan, you'd prefer to see that go the other way so that you can catch up to the Blazers. Long way to go, though. That's in the first quarter. And then I think it actually helps the Lakers more if the Clippers win against the Wolves. But that just feels gross. So I'm just going to kind of let that one go. Whatever happens, happens in that game. But Sacramento does beat OKC. That is very helpful for the Lakers. Wicked Bronco. Didn't expect to win, but we should have won this game. If anyone else is our head coach, we double jaw and win this game. Doesn't take a genius to double someone. Again, if you want to criticize Frank Vogel for not doubling Ja, Frank Vogel, Darvin Ham for not doubling Ja, uh, I think that's fair. Frank Vogel, who was on my mind there, did it all the time. That was one of his go-to defensive schemes. It's common around the NBA. Darvin did not do it. And it was frustrating. Trevor Davis, third quarter killed us again. The Lakers have actually not been a bad third quarter team. It was, they got that MO early on in the season. And sometimes early, early trends stick. They actually haven't been a bad third quarter team, but third quarter did kill them, but feel optimistic through it all with LeBron and D'Lo being out. I can't say too much negative. Yeah, I don't, they weren't going to go 23 and 0 through the final games, right? We knew they were going to lose some and this was a game that we pointed at. We pointed at this game a week ago on the calendar saying this one's probably a game that they drop. Daniel, I don't get why we don't play Mobamba. You have more, a lot more defensive versatility when you've got Wynion in there. Like Mo has the things that he can do. He can be helpful, but there's also matchups where Wynion's quickness is going to make more sense. And I thought that this was one of them. And that's why. That's why you didn't see. I don't think Mobamba is... Uh, oh my gosh, he's so good. He has to play every single night kind of guy. I think it's, he's a matchup dependent guy. And same thing with Wenyon. He's a matchup dependent big. So 
who gets the minutes as the backup center is probably going to depend on who's across the floor. Who are you playing against? Maddie said, could have used Mo Bamba earlier to help AD protect the paint. Yeah, so that was the one part where once Jaw started really going, maybe one of your wrinkles is you could add Mo into the mix just to see if a little bit more rim protection helps you if you decide Wenyan's lateral quickness isn't helping you at all. Then you could turn to that. But I thought Wenyan did a decent job. The bigger problem was Ja was burning the point of attack defender constantly. That's where, again, you've got to send the double. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. See, like stuff like this, Johnny said, why not play your lottery player that you traded for? Mo Bamba was, was a lottery pick a long time ago. Like we have to let go of that kind of stuff at some point, right? Um, I mean, you can say that with a lot of players, with a ton of players. I mean, Anthony Bennett, right, was a lottery pick. You look at some of the biggest busts in the NBA draft. And I'm not saying Mo Bamba is a bust, but at some point you have to let go of what their draft position was and not look at them and just look at them as what they are, what they are as a player right now, what they can give you at the moment. And again, I don't, the things started going so horribly in the third quarter. You could say, well, just try Mo in there, just give it a shot, just to do something different, just to try something. But at the outset, I don't think scheme wise, the idea of going to Wendy over Mo was necessarily a poor decision in this game. Again, I think Mo's going to have moments. I think he's going to have moments. He's going to have opportunities for the Lakers. Um, it, it's just going to be matchup dependent. Abdul says the same thing. Ham doesn't effing play Bamba, especially his job massacred us. I don't think Mo Bamba is stopping John Morant. He can give you a little bit of rim protection, but he's also going to pick up a ton of fouls. And if you saw the whistle John was getting tonight, man, he would have been... Mo would have fouled out pretty quick, I think. Kasuke said, Dennis definitely was a menace tonight. Lost us the game with those idiotic turnovers. <laughs> Bando was lackadaisical. Troy, such a generic player too. I don't think Bando was lackadaisical. I think he just didn't finish well at the rim. He was still all over the place. I have a hard time criticizing the guy. He was great last game. And Dennis, Dennis did not have a good performance and you needed it. And that's that's really the unfortunate part is the Lakers, without LeBron, without D'Lo, you look around and you say, okay, everybody has to step up a little bit. Unfortunately, there were a few guys who probably regressed a little bit in this game and didn't give you what you needed. Hopefully, that changes tomorrow. 
Blake, how can Dennis and Austin Reeves coexist on the court at the same time? Dennis needs to see less action. Well, that's part of the argument for why maybe you just start Reeves. I mean, Reeves can act as a primary or, or secondary ball handler for you. Dennis is going to handle the ball. That's his primary function when he's on the floor. So putting the two of them together can often take Reeves out of that ball handling role because Dennis is going to have the ball so much. So that's something to consider. Um, I like Dennis as your reserve point guard. I think that's a, a good fit. Right now he's being forced into a starting job. Darvin trusts him. And I, I don't want to be too reactionary to one game. Like Troy Brown was bad this game but he's also been fairly solid for the Lakers all season. That's not to say he's been a star, but he's been fairly solid. So I don't want to look at this one game and go, oh, see, Lonnie needs to play over Troy. Lonnie was better than Troy today. There's no question. There's no question. But I think on the season, Troy's been better than Lonnie. So I don't want to overreact to just one game. But Dennis Schroeder was not good today. He was pretty good last game, especially closing it out against the Mavs. Um. Schroeder's going to have his moments for the Lakers. He's going to have opportunities where he can make a difference, where his scoring is going to help. His speed is going to help this team. But yeah, I think more opportunities for Austin would probably be the way to go. Probably be the way to go. And if you have to stagger them a bit, that's fine. I don't think it's impossible for the two of them to work together. I just would like to see Austin more on ball. But if Austin's on ball, what does that mean for Schroeder? It gets a bit messy there. And, and maybe you do need more opportunities for Austin on ball without LeBron and particularly without D'Lo as well. All right. Let me see what else we've got going on here. You know, I, I would do the, well, here, I'll just, for the sake of consistency, I'll hit the drop here. Superstar of the night. Just to make it official, Anthony Davis, I mean, superstar, that he was fantastic. Again, you would like to see him shoot better than nine for 19, but small thing to quibble over when he puts up 28 and 19, five blocks. He was doing all kinds of things defensively. I thought AD was great for the Lakers tonight. Um, so he is definitely the superstar of the night. The next award gets a little trickier. We'll get to that in just a second. Uh, worst coach ever. He doesn't know how to play offense or how to coach offense. Again, part of it was no LeBron, no D'Lo. You're missing two of your main ball handlers and asking other guys to do things. And, Part of it was I thought the Lakers just looked very out of sync. Now, you can put some of that on the coaches. You can put some of that on the players. We saw moments where the Lakers would throw a pass to a spot that a player had just vacated, and so the pass goes right out of bounds. Like, they were very out of sync offensively. Maybe that's a byproduct of LeBron being out, but there was just some sloppy stuff from the Lakers today that really bit them, really came back to hurt them. Ham should have played AD and Mo. Horrible coaching. So Mo in a... Twin Towers lineup with Anthony Davis with the idea being just wall off the paint and force Memphis to beat you from behind the arc. And you're going to give open looks to like a Luke Kennard, to Desmond Bain, to those guys. In general, you're going to pay for that, right? Like that's that's going to cost you if you just decide to, to go this, let's go supersize, try to wall off the paint. Or Jaw is still going to get in the paint and he's going to draw fouls on, on Mo Bamba. But I have a hard time arguing against trying just about anything with the way the third quarter was going. Double jaw and put a wall behind him at the rim and do everything you can to stop him. But Lakers did not adjust quickly enough, I don't think. All right. Let's get into this because this is a tough one. 
unfortunately. Star in your role. The star in your role award for this game. You know, you look at, again, AD, I thought was great. But Vando was one for six. Troy Brown was one for eight. So there's two starters that combined for two for 14. Um, I thought that Lonnie made a few mistakes out there on the floor. He had some opportunities where he probably went a little, he was a little too aggressive. Austin Reeves was good, had a few bad turnovers, had a couple of traveling turnovers, uncharacteristic of Austin. Schroeder was not that great this game, turned it over a bunch. Beasley was just okay. I think ultimately, even with, even in limited minutes, 23 minutes, Lonnie Walker is the star in your role. I thought the Lakers needed bench scoring in this game, and Lonnie came in and provided it. 21 points, four boards, five of 10 from three, had a vicious dunk. He made some mistakes defensively, which you expect from him. He had some moments where he got a little out of control, was a little overly aggressive, led to some turnovers, three turnovers for him, four for Austin. I'm basically having to pick between Austin and, and Lonnie, and in this one, I'll go Lonnie. Even Austin was a minus 17 and plus minus. It just, he did some good things. Austin did in four of seven from three, but some of the mistakes were uncharacteristic of Austin. Seven assists for Reeves though, which is is really good. So you'll take that. So ultimately I'll give the the nod to Lonnie Walker in this one. Um, I wonder if this does mean more minutes for him moving forward too. If this has allowed him to cut into maybe Troy Brown's minutes from here on out. That's something to keep an eye on, uh, especially next game against OKC. All right, let me see what else we've got here. Uh, Jaron Jackson killing us, and Mo Bamba is on the bench with zero minutes tonight. Ham with some questionable lineups and matchups. I mean, Jaron Jackson had the big dunk. Finishes the game, though, with 16 points, 7 of 14 shooting, 7 boards. He did have 4 blocks, but I didn't feel like he was just dominant out there. He had the, the, the loudest play of the game was Jaron Jackson. The loudest play of the game, but... I didn't look at this game thinking, oh my gosh, you got to stop Jaron Jackson. 14 shot attempts, four of them were threes. So he took 10 shots in the paint. Not, not that worried about that, about, oh my God, we have to get him Mo Bamba to stop Jaron Jackson because he's scoring so much of the paint. He had six buckets that were not threes. Um, I think you can make an argument for using Mo, but again, I understand why they went with Wendon in this one. Dennis's turnover was horrible. It's a team killer. Yeah, he did have some bad turnovers in this one. And they had a lot of live ball turnovers, which really hurt. Live ball turn. They also had early on some shot turnovers where like Troy Brown had a number of shot turnovers where he missed a shot so badly that it was basically a turnover, put Memphis immediately into transition. Those things add up. And I think big picture when we step back and we look at, okay, you don't have LeBron now. You don't have D'Angelo Russell. How do you weather the storm? What's happened is essentially the Lakers, when they made those moves at the trade deadline, their margin for error increased. Now, okay, you've got D'Lo, you've got Vando, you've got uh, Beasley, you've got these guys that you brought in. Now you've got a team that makes sense. Now you can actually have a bad LeBron game, have a bad AD game, and win. Who knew? That wasn't something the Lakers could do before. Now you lose LeBron, though. That margin for error isn't there, right? Now you go back to being a low to no margin for error team, which means you're not going to be able to lose the turnover battle and win the game and withstand that. You're not going to be able to, say, get crushed on the offensive glass, which they didn't today, but you're not going to be able to get crushed on the offensive glass 
and win a game. You're not going to be able to shoot poorly from three uh, relative to your opponent and win the game or shoot poorly from the field. And when they, you, you don't have that margin for error that they did when they had everybody healthy. That's, that's a concern. Uh, this team fights without LeBron and D'Lo. I feel very good about this team. It was a close game against a good Memphis team. It, they did. They did fight. But we also saw just some very sloppy play. And it's not just about playing hard. It's also about playing smart. And we didn't see a lot of the latter from the Lakers in this one. Didn't see a lot of the latter in this game. Glass half full. Dila will be back soon. That's from Alexander Wheaton. Yeah, he will be. I, I was hoping he'd be back tomorrow. And again, maybe his status changes tomorrow during the day. But the hope is that at the very least, he'll be back by Friday. Again, I would, I would prefer, obviously, to see him back for tomorrow's game against OKC. They really need him back as quickly as they possibly can get him. And you can see it in the rotation today. They, they, they need that other score, that scoring punch that D'Lo provides. This game showed me, yet again, we have the pieces. Man, we've got some optimism going in the in the chat here. I do think they have the pieces. Particularly, Look, if D'Lo and LeBron play this game, how much different does it look? Right? Those 26 turnovers, could that in part be because you don't have your two primary ball handlers? Probably. Does that mean LeBron was going to be turnover free or D'Lo was going to be turnover? No, but you probably have less turnovers. Certainly with those guys there, this was a very winnable game, a very winnable game for the Lakers, even though it was pointed out by many of us as kind of a scheduled loss. It was right there for them. It was right there. I thought defensively, they did some good things in the first half. Memphis was also cold, but the Lakers did some things to force them into some misses too. that were really good. And then they just didn't adjust once Memphis really got jaw going in the third. That essentially changed the game. Uh, Dennis refused to feed Beasley. Yes. And thank you for bringing this up. I, I forgot to bring this up, and it was in my notes, one of the things that I wrote down during the game. On at least 10 occasions, he was screaming for the ball for the three. Hero ball needs to stop. Poor decisions and turnovers. There was a play where Dennis, um, it was in the second half, Dennis came off of a screen with Beasley. Beasley flashes open and Dennis didn't look at him at all and threw a pass to Austin Reeves that was not there. Reeves had already started to cut and the pass just went into the first row and it was a turnover and Beasley was wide open. Dennis didn't even bother giving him a look on that, did not do a good job finding him. And so Malik Beasley, who is your designated shooter, he's the guy that keeps your floor spacing because he's willing to put up a bunch of threes, only got four attempts. Five for eight in 32 minutes. Now, look, Memphis and every team is going to sell out to defend Malik Beasley behind the three-point line because they don't want him getting a bunch of threes. But listen to this. This is Malik Beasley since coming to the Lakers. Three-point attempts. Six. He was 0 for 6 in his debut. 12, 7, 11, 11, 4. Now, maybe you can say, no LeBron, defense's aren't worrying about LeBron as much means less open opportunities for Malik Beasley. That makes sense. That tracks, right? I mean, that's okay. Yeah. But four attempts, he could have had a lot more. I think there were opportunities for Dennis to get the ball to Beasley and he just didn't take them. And that's something I think that will stand out when we look at the, the film and hopefully it's something that gets fixed tomorrow. I thought Dennis had some really nice lobs to AD and was, 
really cognizant of trying to get AD going in this one. And Dennis isn't known as a lob passer, so that was good to see. So, you know, there's it's not like it was all bad with Dennis Schroeder, but there were definitely some moments where he missed Beasley. And I think given that LeBron isn't on the floor to constantly draw the eyes of the defense, which allows Beasley to sneak open in some of those situations, um, you've got to be a little bit more aware of where he is on the floor and when he's going to be getting these opportunities and when he's open because you got to take advantage of when you've got a guy who can shoot like he can. You've got to take advantage of that. All right, let's do a few more here. I do need to get into the master lock as well. Kyle Hampton, again, with the optimism, said, don't get me wrong, I want to win all 82, but realistically, we're doing about as well, if not better, than what was expected back in November, right? Oh, yeah, look, if the Lakers had this team for the entire season, they are not outside the playoffs right now. I can say that with confidence. If they had this team the entire season, they're probably, what, the four seed, the five seed, I don't know, something like that. They're in the mix, no question. They are in the mix if they have this team all season. Unfortunate that they had to wait all the way until the trade deadline to make this move, to balance out the roster. And look, it was a great trade. I still think it is. Even if the wheels fall off this season, the beauty part about the moves they made at the trade deadline is they're moves that can help you next season too. They aren't moves for just this season. They essentially did, as I was, I was advocating for this for weeks, for months, that they should do some of their summer shopping at the trade deadline. They should add pieces now because the summertime, the free agent class is not great. And so there was no reason to worry so much about cap space and preserving cap room and all that kind of stuff. Add pieces now. Give yourself an opportunity to win this season as long as those pieces can stick around long-term. Check and check. The Lakers did that. Great, great job at the trade deadline. But unfortunately, they had to wait until the deadline to do it. Had they done this in November, which they couldn't. Teams weren't ready to make these moves in November. Their situation would be so different right now. And it's unfortunate that, and that's part of it's on the front office. They went into this season with a roster that was not balanced, that made no sense. And now they have to scramble to try to play catch up. Now that they finally got a team. Mark, I think Ham is good at motivating players, giving inspirational speeches, but Vogel is a better coach as far as strategy and quick adjustments. You know, Vogel, in the playoffs, Vogel was very good game to game. We even criticized Vogel quite a bit for being slow to react in game to what was going on. I think Darwin is worse, though. I think Darwin is worse reacting in game to what's happening. Now, that said, we just saw last game, and we gave him credit for this, he made some good adjustments in that Mavs game. So it's not like he never makes the right adjustments. Tonight, he didn't. Against the Mavs, he did. And we saw it. It played out. It was obvious. They made the right adjustments, and it worked. Hopefully, we see more of that moving forward. But Vogel was great adjusting game to game. Like his, whatever teams threw at him, if they if the Lakers lost, the next game, he, he had figured that out, and he had countered it, and the Lakers went on to win a championship in part because of it. So... I think that's fair criticism, but at the same time, I don't want us to forget that Darwin did just make, in the last game, a great game, the biggest comeback in the season for the NBA. Uh, 27 points down, Darwin made some great adjustments in that one to help create that comeback. So that is certainly something we need to know. It's easy to get caught in the moment of one game, and uh, that's it. I, I, I literally saw people saying, cut Troy Brown tonight. 
I saw people saying, start Lonnie Walker. I saw people saying all kinds of stuff, reacting to one game. And it's what we do. We ride the roller coaster, but that's why I'm here to remind everybody that, hey, one game doesn't mean you should just go crazy and say, oh, well, this guy is just simply terrible. Cut him. Again, Troy Brown, I think he's been just fine. Should he be getting the starters minutes? That's an argument we can definitely have. But you don't look at this one game and say, oh, well, this is just, this is what Troy Brown is as a player. He can't shoot. He's going to make a lot of mistakes. That's not really what we've seen from him over the course of the season. Tonight, he wasn't good. And not everybody's going to agree with me. <laughs> McKenzie says, Trevor, your reasoning is awful. Again, not everybody's going to agree with me, but that, that's the way I see it. Adam said, turnovers can be neutralized. This is not a scheduled loss. This is more important than tomorrow's game. Really? More important? That's interesting. I haven't had that take. Why bother with a team under you? Weird mindset. Why? You're not catching Memphis. It would be different. Like if Memphis was the eighth seed. Okay. Right? That, that changes it. Memphis is the two seed. You're not catching them. You're not catching Memphis. That's why tomorrow's game matters more. OKC is right there. And yes, they're behind you right now, but you just passed them. They're right behind you. You want to create some separation there as you move up in the standings. That's what you're trying to do. So that's why I've got tomorrow's game as more important. I think that's, and that's not a me thing. That's a, in general, across most of, most basketball analysts that I've seen have said the same thing, that tomorrow's game is more important for the Lakers than tonight's game. Again, because they're not going to catch Memphis. They're not going to catch them. They are actively competing with OKC for a spot, though. Blake said, why are Dennis and Reeves on the floor at the same time? They kept arguing, and Dennis kept making mistakes. Reeves needs to start. It, you're preaching to the choir on Reeves needs to start. I've been saying that all season. But Dennis and Reeves did seem to be a bit off um, in terms of their everything right the energy between the two of them just the the synergy between them it just it just wasn't there and part of that might be hey lebron's not not there now right so now we've got to try to work through this and figure this out and you know who's going to figure this out first and how are we going to run this i think reeves at his core is a point guard and we tend to look at him as a two but he likes to be an initiator that's kind of what he is um and it's how he sees himself. And so I think that's naturally going to lead to some conflict with Dennis, who that, I mean, that very clear, like you can make the argument Reeves is a one or a two. Dennis is a one, like there's no question he's a one. So if Reeves is kind of encroaching on that territory of, well, I'm a ball handler too. I can handle the ball. I can get assists. I can initiate the offense. See where there's some reason for potential friction there. Oh man. M dread says many people are saying Braun is faking. People are crazy. I've look, I've seen that a little bit. I've seen people say, oh, LeBron passed the scoring record and now he doesn't care anymore. Why would why would he fake an injury now? Like, especially in the middle of a game. Like, wouldn't that be beyond bizarre to fake an injury mid-game? And you saw against the Mavs, you saw how his game changed. He no longer was attacking the basket, nothing where he had to push off the foot. Instead, everything was in the post. He went to the old man game. He was doing step throughs and things like that and just bullying people in the post. Why? Because he clearly didn't want to push off of that foot. 
Um, Justin Holiday. And again, I'm talking about the Mavs game. Justin Holiday got wide open in the corner. That was LeBron's responsibility to close out. He would have had to make a quick sprint out to the corner. He said, nope, I'm not doing that. And people criticized him for it. I don't think you do all of that mid-game, mind you, and awkwardly step and, and limp and grab your foot and all of that. For what purpose? To shut it down because you don't feel like playing basketball anymore? Like, that would be just super villain kind of madness. I just don't... I think that's that's pretty far-fetched to think that LeBron would fake this injury. There's no motive to do that. Uh, Adam, if Troy Brown wasn't 6'6", he wouldn't be playing. Oh, you mean like if he was 6'3"? Sure, yeah. Part of the part of the benefit of Troy Brown is he's 6'6". On a team that doesn't have quite enough wing depth, yeah, that, that's going to matter. That's going to matter. Serenity. Oh, in all caps, so we know they're serious here. Lonnie Walker starting over Beasley. Walker was aggressive and in attack mode. You know, I, I will say Lonnie had a better game than Beasley tonight. I think Beasley definitely gets respected behind the three-point line. He stretches defenses more than Lonnie Walker would. And I think long-term, that's pretty important when you're playing with LeBron. Maybe you can argue that Lonnie is, and I think this is fair, that Lonnie's a more dynamic offensive attacker than Beasley. Beasley's, Beasley has the ability to catch and shoot on the move in a variety of ways and hit threes. Lonnie, in ways that Lonnie can't. But Lonnie's offensive game is better in a lot of ways. Lonnie's offensive game is better in the mid-range. He's better attacking the basket. He's got other things that he can do. But Beasley's skill set is particularly useful alongside LeBron and AD. So you can argue, no, LeBron is Lonnie now the better fit. But do you want to mix up your starting lineup that much as well? That's another question. Um, Overall, I think they're going to stick with with Beasley. I think that's what they're going to roll with. But tonight, I, there's no argument. Lonnie was was better than Beasley was. Lon, again, Lonnie was the, um, the the star in their role tonight. Ronnie said, "I'm willing to. I'm starting to accept LeBron is just injury prone. He hasn't been as durable ever since he's been a Laker. Yeah, he has been injury prone. Um, he's 38 years old. I mean, look, I can see." I I know like LeBron at 38, you just your body just doesn't respond the same way, right? Like you're you're more sore, you've got it's harder to recover, you're just more susceptible to injuries. It's just it's the way it is father time. It's, it's the way it goes. Um I think reality is, and this is part of why I like the moves they made in the trade deadline even more. I don't think you can look at LeBron and say, hey, he's gonna play 78 games in a season anymore. It's not going to happen. I don't think you can count on him playing 70 games. What you need is you need a team that doesn't require him to play that many games. I think the Lakers have that team now. I think they have a team that can withstand losing LeBron. The question is, can they withstand losing LeBron and make up ground in the standings? That's asking a lot. And we'll see whether or not they can do that. But again, if they have this team all season, I think not only are they in the mix, just flat out in the playoff mix right now, not in the play-in or anything like that. But I also think that maybe LeBron doesn't have to burn through so much of the gas tank because he'd have more opportunities to sit out. You'd have more opportunities to load manage in-game because they're up by 20 in the fourth quarter and things like that that add up over the course of the season. We saw LeBron have to turn on the Jets early, and that catches up to you. I think that's what we've seen happen here. 
All right, before I get to any more of the comments here, I see so many people do not agree with me with Wenyan over, over Mo. That's fine. Um, again, I, I like Mo. I just, and oh, people are mad that I was defending Troy Brown at all too. <laughs> Look, again, I'm not saying he's an all-star player. I'm not saying he's great or fantastic or anything like, again, I, I said I would have put Rui in the starting lineup over Troy Brown. He was not my pick, but he's not, I, I've just, I think people went too far. I'm seeing people say, cut him and all that. He had a bad game. He had a bad game, but he's also been okay for the Lakers this season. All right, let me get into this because we need to. We need to vent a little bit more here. Master Lock of the Night. All right, the Master Lock of the Night. What is it that bothered us the most tonight from this game? What am I master locking? Somehow, the Lakers played the Grizzlies, and I'm not master locking Dylan Brooks. For rarity. Instead, it's got to be turnovers. It's got to be turnovers. We have to, have to, have to master lock the turnovers from this game. There's no question. 26 to 6 in turnovers. Really, really difficult to win a game like that. Um, yeah, have to master lock the turnovers. Ooh, just checked in on the Pacers and Mavs score. Pacers up two with seven seconds to go in this game. Yikes. Yikes, this is going to be a close one all the way down the stretch. I am behind in the chat right now, so if the chat is talking about it, that's that's why I haven't been talking about it. Hopefully, this one finishes with a Pacers win. That would certainly help. Let's see where we're at. Mavs ball, seven seconds left. Oh, no. Andrew Nemhard, who beat the Lakers at the buzzer in a game earlier this season, misses two free throws to put the Pacers up four. Now it's just a two-point game with seven seconds left. That is brutal. That's brutal. Nemhard, who was who cut the Lakers' hearts out, and now here he is maybe doing it again by missing two critical free throws. Would have put the game away. Missed them both. Ouch. We'll see what happens there again. Lakers should be keeping an eye on that one. You want to see the Pacers hang on and win that. Third quarter again, super small, no double Y. Uh, again, should have doubled. Absolutely should have doubled on that one. All right, let's see what else we've got here. Why are we not running plays for Rui? There's too many possessions where he doesn't touch the ball at all. Run Rui at the four, Vando at the three. I, I would flip that, but sure. It's semantics. Ham's lack of util utilization of Rui is annoying. I agree with that. I think that you need scoring on this team. I think Rui is one of the guys that can create his own shots and he should get more of an opportunity to do so. That's what I think. Woo, there it is. There it is. Kyrie misses. The Pacers hold on and win the game. That is helpful for the Lakers to keep them in the hunt here to move up. The Dallas Mavericks lose to the Indiana Pacers. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. 25-foot step-back jumper for Kyrie with one second left on the clock. Misses, and the Pacers hang on to beat the Mavericks. Thank you, Indiana. Getting that one done. Well done, Pawnee. Uh, Austin Reeves, primary playmaker in absence of LeBron and D'Lo. Can't trust Dennis to run the offense. Memphis, 80-plus in the point. Not playing Mo is inexcusable. Again, I don't think Mo shuts down the paint necessarily. He helps you a little bit more with shot blocking. But Wenyan isn't a non-factor in there either. Um, again, 
Mo will get opportunities. He's going to get chances. I understand why Ham wanted the defensive versatility from um, Wenyan in this one. I wouldn't be surprised if tomorrow it's Mo, though. Wouldn't be surprised. All right. We'll do a few more. We'll do a few more here. I am starting to catch up just a bit. Well, we call it an evening. Brandon said, I believe Lonnie's ceiling is higher than Troy. That's fair. Yeah, I would, I would also agree with that. Better shooter, more athleticism, better ball handler. Troy has a longer frame, but not necessarily bigger. I mean, Troy's got two inches on him. He does defend. He's Troy's the better defender for sure. But Lonnie, his athleticism is a different level compared to Troy. So saying that Lonnie has the higher ceiling, yeah, I think that's fair. I think that Troy is going to make less mistakes. And again, not tonight. Troy was not good tonight. But in general, Troy makes less mistakes and can fit into a role. Now, maybe you can argue, though, that without LeBron, what you need is more of what Lonnie would provide in terms of he could get hot and go for 20. Maybe you need that over Troy, who's going to just defend his position well, and he's going to help you out a bit on the boards. I think that's a fair argument to make. Brandon. Ham's, Ham picks up his slow adjustments from his former boss. Budenholzer was on the verge of losing his job if Giannis hadn't gone insane and won the championship. I wonder who tells him he needs to change something. Yeah, there was a point where Budenholzer was on the chopping block there, and then they went on to win a championship, and now he's staying in, in Milwaukee. And he's a good coach. I'm not saying he shouldn't be, but maybe that's where he is from, the Budenholzer coaching tree. So, yeah, I think that's a fair, fair comparison there. Hero, with LeBron sidelined, he should be weighing in on in-game adjustments and strategy, knowing he has one of the highest basketball IQs ever, or is he at a point in his career where he just goes with the flow? Are we sure that he's not? Are we sure that he's not weighing in on any of this stuff? He was getting treatment in the locker room today, but yeah, I, I wouldn't just assume that he's not. Um, he was weighing in on stuff mid-game against the Mavs. He tends to do that. I wouldn't assume that he's not. Muhammad said... Us Lakers fans are so reactionary. That, that's that's sports fans in general. That's not just Lakers fans. We we ride the roller coaster. Why? And, and you would look, here's the thing. As much as like I come on here and sometimes I wind up acting as like the voice of reason, right? Everybody's super high or super low. And I, I try to stay even keel as much as I can. Part of that's just my personality. It's just how I am. But that's also sports fandom, right? You win the game. You feel great because you're connected, because you're bought into the team, because you care. So when good things happen, you feel good. When bad things happen, you lose, you feel bad. And so that just naturally, that's going to be there. If you don't have some kind of emotional response to what's happening and you're not reactionary to some degree, now, again, feeling that emotion and voicing that emotion and then actually acting on it is a different thing. Like if you're saying, oh, just cut Troy, and then tomorrow the Lakers cut Troy Brown for having a bad game tonight, that, okay, that's different, right? But... The fact that so many people, Lakers Nation, again, you're, you're phenomenal, are so bought in and care so much, I think that's a good thing. So when I look at the roller coaster, yeah, people get a little crazy sometimes, and sometimes we we overreact to things. And if a player has a good game, oh my gosh, they're great, start this guy. They have a bad game, cut them, get rid of them. Right? We, we ride those highs and lows. But to me, it's just an indication of how deeply people care and how much you, you know, I mean, how much you feel this how much you feel watching the game how much you feel being part of this within within this fan base so yeah we are reactionary we do ride the roller coaster and sometimes people get 
uh, go a little bit too far with things, right? But the way I look at it, like that's that's okay because it tells me people care and care a lot. They care a lot about what's happening and what this team's doing and all of it. They're bought in. And that's a beautiful thing. Tough loss. Yeah, weirdly, I'm kind of encouraged. Can't explain it. It's a tough loss, but you look at it and say, my God, just if they took care of the ball, this game that we had kind of looked at and said, oh, scheduled loss, they could have won this thing. They could have won this thing. So that's where you can get a little bit of optimism from it. It's not like they just got outplayed by Memphis. They did in the second half, but they had opportunities to go into halftime up big. And they just, I mean, literally fumbled the ball. Um, yeah, that's and that's what happened, unfortunately. They had an opportunity to really build a cushion that maybe would have changed things down the stretch had they done that. How much of a difference will D'Lo make? Well, you have to defend him more behind the three-point line. Uh, Schroeder did hit, what did he hit? One or two threes tonight. So D'Lo does make a difference too. He's He plays at a different pace, handles the ball a very different way than Schroeder. And Schroeder has had some good moments. Schroeder's one for four from three. But you're going to defend D'Angelo Russell very differently. And he just gives you another scoring option too. There were moments where the Lakers offense looked a little bit lost in terms of what they were trying to create. And so D'Lo can go out there. I think he needs to average 20 plus for the Lakers. And I think he can give you that. And I don't know that there's a lot of other guys that you look at that say on a night in night out basis can do that. So I think he definitely helps um, from here through the rest of the season. Whenever he comes back, he helps you out quite a bit. I don't think that he, he's not a superstar, but he can help get you through this. He can help get you through this. Just waiting for him to use Wenyan and Bamba. And it's not the worst idea to use both of them. You could, because Mo can shoot the three. So that mitigates Wenyan's essentially inability to shoot. The, he, he shot it a little bit, but Mo can shoot the three. So potentially you could. Are we rooting for the T-Wolves or Clippers right now? It feels so gross, but I think the Lakers are helped more by a Clippers win. But again, it feels gross. And checking in on that score right now, uh, we're a couple minutes from halftime and Minnesota's up two. So it's a close game. Uh, San Antonio and Utah tied at 88 with five minutes to play in the fourth. I am not getting my hopes up at all. San Antonio was up on Utah the other day and they're playing and San Antonio found a way to lose. They're going to find ways to lose games. I am not expecting the Spurs to win this game. Okay, by, by no means. If they do, fantastic. Lakers Nation, do not. Do not get your hopes up. The Spurs have lost 16 in a row. Yes, it would be wonderful if they could finally win a game, particularly against Utah. That would help the Lakers out. Do not assume that it's going to happen. Do not assume that it's going to happen. They are fully in tanking for Wembenyama mode. That's what they're doing. All right, everybody. I think that's enough for today. We've got another game tomorrow. Back-to-back, big game against OKC. Lakers need to bounce back here. This one is a must-win against the Thunder. The Thunder might be without SGA. That team plays well. They're well-coached. They execute. If the Lakers play sloppy like they did today, it could get ugly. OKC plays together. I would expect the Lakers to clean things up significantly before tomorrow. If they don't, it won't be good. But I think they have the opportunity to go into OKC, get a win, and move on from there. It's an important game. It's a must-win game. They got to find a way to go get it done against OKC team that they're better than the some of their parts. They impressed me 
the last game they played the Lakers. As the chat's mentioning right now, they can hit threes. Lakers have got to hit those threes as well. Lakers have got to knock them in, and the Lakers' defense has got to be focused because OKC does a good job recognizing when teams are not in sync. All right, everybody. That'll do it. Till next time. Till tomorrow. See ya, and stay safe. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.